0: actually didn't watch that by the presidential the vice presidential debate last night
1: me neither would have been nice to be a fly on the head for that one <laughs> <laughs> that was fucking funny i, I know, yeah, well, not That'd the first be- time a fly's landed on a piece of shit and stayed there for a little while so. <laughs> Black Sheep Radio with Ben McVee, Mark LeFave, and Chris Brown. Join the conversation at BSR Podcast on Facebook and at Radio underscore Sheep on Instagram and
2: Twitter. I have a quick question before we get into our music episode with Mr. Paul Morris. Good morning, Polly. Good morning. Okay, gentlemen, there are no wrong answers. This is just a, you know, like a, a mental loosen up as we get ready to talk some music. Okay, so top of your head. Uh-huh. Uh, what was the last song you turned up really loud? Go.
3: Uh, Hook oh, by Blues Traveler. Get out of here. All right. Eruption by okay. Van Halen. All right. I
0: th- yeah, I, I would I think it was probably Arcade Fire. I can't remember the song specifically, but okay. I was in the suburbs yesterday. Right on. Marcus?
1: Uh, Hook by Blues Traveler.
2: Hook okay. by Blues like my, it's Traveler. It's like my daily
1: earworm. I like to listen to that, too. Cool.
2: Oh, is that no. right? Yeah. Oh, right on. Okay.
1: That's it's a just plenty, curious. It's such, a point, it's such a pointless song. Like literally, the sure. lyrics are about how fucking pointless the song is. But, but it doesn't, doesn't war- matter. I like Warn- it It's just kind of a loosen up.
2: So, so it warrants being turned up. <laughs> Correct.
1: Yes. Paul,
2: what's uh, I, I obviously uh, we're doing some music news and notes and in things this morning. Eddie Van Halen's going to be top of mind for everybody
3: yeah top of mind for sure um i was really sad and i sent a note out to our group here and i was kind of kind of surprised that uh i think it's for chris that it, yeah yeah it i sent him a, i sent him a clip of from the first album is a track called uh i'm the one mm. where you know typically when you think about van Halen you think about the big hits you know running with the devil and Eruption and all those in Panama and all those big songs that everybody is overly familiar with. But for me, I always loved "I'm the One" because it was it was like a a real showcase song for Eddie Van Halen, almost like, "Hey, watch me do this," you know. Yeah, and and. And Chris responded like, "This does nothing for me."
0: <laughs> I know. I it's it's the thing is is I, I don't I want to be sensitive to the issue because it's like That's this okay. is it has this has nothing um, this has nothing to do with me. And Eddie Van Halen is just such an icon in music, but it, it is one of those things where. It
1: just doesn't uh, but buddy, hit for it's, some reason. No, I don't it, get sure. It, right? it's, you know it's, what I mean? It's guitar,
2: it's... and it's like Baskin-Robbins, man. There's 31 different flavors in guitar, and Eddie Van Halen is a very distinct flavor, and maybe, you're, maybe you're not a chocolate lover, and everybody loves chocolate, right? But, you know, but, Eddie Van Halen was really good chocolate.
3: You know, it, it, as I go on to tell you... And I don't think I really, uh, I'm not exactly unique in telling you why he was such a great guitar player is that, you know, it's, uh, very often it's a matter of experience. And, and you know, some people and, and like Ben said, it's a matter of taste as well too. Sure. And mm. I really, uh, I, I sometimes, I remember when I heard first heard Dragon Force, remember them? You know, Yeah, <laughs> yeah. The <yeah>. only. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, and it's, it was almost like, yeah, so you can play fast. It's the Coldest, heartless stuff in the world. It's like it's not about playing fast. It's much more than that. There's no expression. There's no soul in that playing,
2: right? But but to Chris's and, point, sorry, it's Paulie. But sure. to interrupt, but there are some people who would list the Ingve Malmsteins as the world's greatest guitarist because they mm-hmm. enjoy that guitar sound, right? That's and right. and there there is a talent to it for sure. But it's just not for everybody. So I, I think there's a lot of Eddie Van Halen guilt right now, because everybody's this big outpouring about Eddie Van Halen and for all my sure. god you, you know what I mean? And for those people who, for whom Van Halen wasn't their taste, you kind of feel like, Oh shit. Sorry. But it's just <laughs> not for me.
0: <laughs> yeah. Right. It's more so, like, you know, I, I, ref- I, I respect ev- everybody gets impacted. Like he, Everyone, so many people loved Eddie Van Halen for what he did. I feel like I'm definitely the outlier in that situation. And I also, but I also think like, you know, it's, it's curious conversation to have because I don't know that I'm, I don't know that, that, you know, the I don't get Eddie Van Halen or that type of guitar music or that type of, you know, kind of hair, metal, rock, whatever whatever you qualify it is. Uh, I think it's a little divisive, especially for my generation, because um, a lot of the stuff we're exposed to. Um, I, like... I think it would have been different if I grew. I think I think it, it would have been a little bit different if if I grew up and experienced Eddie Van Halen like you guys did, where you get to you get to experience the progression of their career from the beginning to the end, and you get to like see the development of that. For me, it's just the pop hits. It's the stuff that I that I oh, hear, okay. right? Do you know so, what I mean? So like I'm getting yeah. these things. It's like if you're if you're hearing, you know. U2 or any of these bands you're getting these cherry picked things that are their crossover hits that everybody knows about but those aren't necessarily the ones that the fans like or the ones that are you know representative of how good they actually can For be sure. so you For know
3: sure. my, my grandfather never told me about the first war he said nothing about it and i crave would, i would crave the opportunity to be able to speak to him to him to tell me one story about what it was like so maybe I can do that here. Okay, I, should, I love it. Go for it. Okay, I love and, it. And it's, I'm told I'm the grandfather here, but um, you know, hey, what was going on in the '70s? All the typical stuff they were familiar with: Led Zeppelin and Black Sabbath. I mean, and when I say Black Sabbath, they, I think they were bigger now than they were in their day. You know what I mean?
1: Hmm. Pink
3: Floyd. Eric Clapton, all these guitar heroes were all well known and it was really just blues rock stuff and everybody was good you know I mean there was some great guitar and then in 1978 Van Halen's first album came out it was like what is this it was a sound that we had never heard before now think about all the music that you love when you come upon something that completely changes the way you hear everything. And that's what that album was like. It was like, this guy's playing a guitar in a way I've never heard it before. And it was fun. It was something was direly missing from the 1970s. It was no fun rock and roll. And that first album, today is like hearing any record for the first time it had a profound influence it changed the way that people rock and roll players played the guitar it had a complete influence on the way hard music was played and created a whole new style there's no doubt about it. he revolutionized the guitar the way that Hendrix revolutionized the guitar there's a bunch <laughs> of people
2: I've met in my musical or rather radio career uh who have uh, who are a little bit older than me. Paulie is, is one of them whose opinions and what they say and, and their um, recounting of things I, I have a great deal of faith in. And Paul's not the first person to say that that record really grabbed the, the rock and roll world by the balls. Like, it, it really stood out, like Paul just described. I'm just backing up what you're saying. Like it, it's making sense to yeah.
3: me. So, um, I can tell you a... You know, I'm not a player. I can tell you what he means. I can tell you that he's a lyrical player. His sense of melody is incredible. What I love about him is his exuberance and joy that he brings to guitar. And I'm not even talking about the technical side of it. Eddie Van Halen did not read music. He did not understand music scales and <laughs> stuff like that. He started as a kid. When he's growing up, he learned a little bit of piano. But he actually started as a drummer, he started playing drums, his brother Alex's drums, and and they switched places and all the rest. But mm. as I looked, and I was going through all the dedications yesterday, I was kind of, you know, all the big names, I mean, all the biggest names were coming out. You know, Jimmy Page was weighing in, say, making a tribute to him, and uh, Tom Arello calling him the Mozart of the guitar and stuff like that. But... I found a deeper understanding and appreciation from Eddie uh, from for, for Eddie Van Halen, or some people like to call him Edward Van Halen.
1: <laughs> now that he's older. <laughs>
3: uh, well, no, because it was like respect. He's not Eddie. Oh, I he see. Is Edward. Oh. You know? the <laughs> way some people say "Sir," you know. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um. I got it from Keith Urban, and if you don't mind me uh, doing this. He, he I think he articulates exactly why Eddie is a great guitar player. And so for Chris, maybe you can't relate, maybe you can understand this coming from a guy who grew up after uh, after Van Halen won, the first Van Halen record came out. He said, "This is Keith Urban paying tribute to Eddie Van Halen. He said, "This hit me hard. There are a lot of great guitar players in the world, but, for, but very, very few are true innovators players who seem to have arrived from a faraway planet and who bring a completely new color to the rainbow. Eddie Van Halen was this and so much more. Even without the finger tapping, you had a player with extraordinary touch, tone, and a rhythmic pocket and bounce that floated like Ali in the ring. He was a master of complex solos that spoke to non-musicians. That is hard to do. The reason was the exquisite melody in his heart and the joy in his soul for playing four people. And it came through like a ray of sun we all felt. And I I thought that he's listening. And as I said, when I watched him and as I listened to it, I hear the joy between the notes. I hear the soul between the notes. Yeah, the double-handed finger tapping and stuff like that. He didn't innovate it, but he perfected it. But it was the attack. It was... It like the reason I I, I sort of said Here, I'm the one or eruption is because you can hear it. It's more than a guy just showing off, and you know let's not forget that he wrote all the melodies for Van Halen, you know. One of the one of the standard things at a Van Halen show is that time when everybody leaves the stage and Eddie's left on and he does the guitar solo. It's like, oh yeah, here comes the guitar solo. Maybe I should go for a leak or something like that. <laughs> no, you you stood you you stayed for the band you stayed for the Eddie Van Halen guitar solo. It was yeah. beautiful and soaring and all things great. I miss. Guitar solos these days, guys. I remember I was standing with a, a program director, and we were listening to a track. We are at Canada Music Week. And we're listening track from some band. And I went, "Oh man, that was a that was a great guitar break." And he looked at me and said, "Paulie, nobody cares about guitar solos anymore." And that really hurt because I can because <laughs> that's the point. That's the part in the song where it can be fun. That's where there's a different expression that gets away from the melody and the chorus and there's joy in just going up and down the neck sometimes not not in a waste but when it when it is truly part of the song and i realized that he was right you know that guitar solos you don't hear that even in van halen's career from the david lee roth years as they went into sammy hagar the guitar solos kind of diminished in yeah. you know, their importance in Van Halen. That's because Eddie was changing with the times. You realize yeah. I have to serve the song first and maybe there's a place when you go to see a show, that's a different matter altogether. I mean listen, there's lots of great guitar highlights in the Sammy Hagar years, don't get me wrong heard Pound Cake the other day and I went oh yeah that's the one where he kind of hooked up a drill to his amplifier and uh you know a, a cordless drill and 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 made that work with his guitar uh but again I'm going to go back to 78 the first record in the albums with David Lee Roth and they were really spectacular but I thought Keith Urban nailed it on the head and Keith yeah, Urban's a, hell, really of
1: a cool. hell of a guitar player as well so yeah, you know, and, that,
3: and that's it and that's it but you know it was a country guy that kind of gave me you know he was able to express a, hey most people are just putting down 20 words you know it's a tweet or it's mm-hmm. you know a, a very short post you know I'm sure if you sat with them for an afternoon they'd be able to show you and tell you exactly what he was to them as a player but
0: so I know yeah. very little. Like I said, I know very little about Eddie Van Halen and the, and the songs that I do. I am familiar with are those pop hits that we were talking about. But I was doing a little bit of research on Van Halen to see if there's anything that I could that could bridge the gap and and make me a fan. And I, I think I might have found it actually. There's a story here. Um, <laughs> from a book uh, release is a little a little while ago it was about um, Eddie Van Halen let me see if I could get the title here hang on I got to cut
2: in here very quickly yep. I haven't had a sure. chance to cut in because it's all been so good but I had an internet flicker so okay, I just want to make yeah, yeah, yeah. sure it's is it affecting your recording no, but, no. Like, no I, can't, I can't see you guys on, on House Party or anything. It, it, okay. All right. It's, but we're still recording. I just yeah. I needed to find a natural break to jump in before all of this
0: went to waste. <laughs>
2: you know what Ben's I'm saying? Look,
0: Ben's just chiming in. It's like um, what's, that? what's that what's that what's that movie where it, poltergeist where they're in the TV? Yeah, yeah. Yes. You just oh, hear like the oh, faint oh. whispers on right, the wind. Right, right.
2: Okay. So long as things aren't messed up, and I get hopefully I gave you a chance to find the, the article or the story. Yeah, no, I did. Yeah, yeah you yeah, were about yeah, to so, mention. So the book's called Eruption
0: yeah. in the Canyon. <laughs> the, the book is called Eruption in the Canyon 212 Days and Nights With the Genius of Eddie Van Halen And it describes uh, uh, Again, this is this is something That I, I can definitely get behind As far as the Eddie Van Halen thing It describes a situation uh, A disagreement between Eddie Van Halen And um, lead singer of Limp Bizkit Fred Durst uh, which, oh, concludes, which, which concludes Which concludes with Eddie Van Halen Standing on the front lawn Of a residential home Holding a gun To Fred Durst's head <laughs> so, so I don't know if you have you. I don't know if any of you guys have heard this story, but they no, they had like some disagreement about gear. They were in some jams. They were at some jam session, and I guess Fred Durst wasn't gonna wasn't about to give Eddie Van Halen his his equipment back or something like that. And and Van Halen pulled a gun on him. So wow,
2: I, I do. I I have, have to, to say, pretty, pretty I, understand. Understand. <laughs> I like Eddie Van Halen's chances in a street fight against Fred Durst. <laughs> then again, I, I like Miley Cyrus's chances sure. too. So, <laughs> Fred Durst, Jesus, I, uh, I'm probably uh, I'm probably closer
1: to Chris in terms of my uh, my knowledge of uh, of Van Halen. You know, I mean I, my knowledge? I, I just remember as a kid jump was my fucking like my dad will tell you too like I used to just jump around the living room so that was my that was my exposure to him Uh, Chris I remember describing his uh, his guitar playing as being like watching someone do math uh, mm. yeah, remember you, and, and that's an interesting way, I think, to look at it because I have, since he, since he passed, I've listened to uh, a lot of his stuff and then there's, I mean, I did the same thing where I checked out an article. Okay, maybe there's little things that I actually maybe did know about him that I just forgot and yeah. uh, this is my perfect opportunity to infuse my favorite movie into this uh, podcast <laughs> yet again uh, that Van Halen oh, did appear God. in Back to the Future mm-hmm. and uh, if everybody <laughs> remembers, he actually... Was the music that was supposed to melt Crispin Glover's brain when <laughs> uh, when Marty McFly throws in a Van Halen cassette? Um, yep. And uh, you know, what I mean, between that and it, it was, it was, it bad or Beat It? He was in either Bad or Beat It, where he did the guitar. Beat it. Yeah, and that's you know I mean, to to <laughs> sort of cross uh, cross pollinate guitar. Boy, you can in, you can. In, Michael Jackson. We
2: we really, after hearing that, we really need to rename this the Age Gap Podcast.
3: (laughs) (laughs) all good, my friend. It's all
1: good. Some good stuff. Taking DeLorean back, yeah.
3: All right, so moving on. Paulie, what else? All right. uh, (laughs) this is interesting There have been a lot of uh, great artists This is in a wider spectrum here That have passed away in the last couple of weeks We spoke a week or two ago About Toots Ebert Of Toots Mm. and the Maytales passing away And uh, this week On the same day that Eddie Van Halen was announced Johnny Nash You may not know him, but the song is called I Can See Clearly Now That was his big Mm. song That was the first big uh, reggae crossover To North America Yep. is before that he actually did a, a uh, he did a cover version of Bob Marley's stir it up it is fantastic and this was all before Bob Marley was making it Marley sort of happened his, his bridge to his Nash or international popularity was all these people covering his songs. Also I shot there, the sheriff. Yeah. All, uh, also in there is Helen Reddy, who did the song called uh, I Am Woman, which was a huge song that spoke for women's rights, perhaps more than any other. And finally, a country artist named Mac Davis, uh, who famously wrote the song um, In the Ghetto that Elvis Presley covered, but also was an, uh, an artist in his own right. Um, I can't remember the song that came out, but the, the thing is that. All of these artists had their biggest songs in 1972. This is almost like oh, the okay. This is almost like the the 27 factor, you know? <laughs> yeah. Toots, Toots and the Maytels it was Pressure Drop Mac Davis um, well, gee I can't remember that damn song I Am Woman and Johnny Nash's Nash, I can see clearly now all their biggest hits in their career you, all 1972
2: you missed so. In the Ghetto and my personal favorite cover of that is by Eric Cartman on South Park I, I thought <laughs> I thought his rendition was just beautiful just beautiful if you haven't heard it YouTube but it's hilarious hilarious
3: oh man and it's kind of funny uh, two of those songs that i mentioned are in television commercials on tv the day that johnny nash passes away the song i can see clearly now is in a canadian club television commercial (laughs) and pressure drop is part of a coors beer commercial and has been for weeks yeah yeah i've heard it yeah and, and here are these guys and there they are you know i mean they're influenced even somebody at an ad agency is picking up on the great vibes that all of those songs have given to us over the years. So I, I couldn't, you know, I couldn't move on without mentioning them. Eddie Van Halen, you know, a Hall of Famer and you know, at the top of the list for sure. But these people back in 72 left an indelible impression with some of these great hits. All right. Uh, this coming Friday would be the 80th birthday of John Lennon. And so it is being celebrated uh, in Canada with something that they want to call Imagine Friday. Uh, John Lennon's record company, Universal Music, is asking radio stations to program the song Imagine at 1.30 this coming Friday. And we've seen these things before. Really, it's going to be up to everybody. But the record company statement says, coming together for a minute to collectively imagine brighter days ahead feels like a wonderful and shared moment for Canadians everywhere heading into the Thanksgiving Day weekend. And a nice tribute to such a beloved icon as John Lennon. We hope you'll consider taking part in this fun and shared moment with your own listeners. Thank you in advance for your consideration. Yeah, these things cool. happen every once in a while, mm-hmm. but yeah, and it's kind of funny. In that, I went to a Black Lives Matter protest here in St. Catharines, and um, to see what was, you know, you know, to see it all, I saw it on television. This is really early in the going, and I, and in amongst the crowd, was a guy with a placard of John Lennon's famous face and the caption "Imagine." And it kind of stood out because everything else was defund the police and and a lot of aggressive protest phrasing that came along with it. And there was this... Mm. There was this image that kind of was ri- rising above the crowd, literally, because it was a little higher than everything else. And it really hit me. And I, I probably pondered that more than I did the conflicting messages that I was getting from all the oh. other Black Lives Matter protests. It's really kind of interesting. as somebody felt that. And, mo- and it was a real interesting crowd. It was a real mixed bag. It was old, young, and, and of course, the mixed mixed colors as well, too. So, Yeah. Mm.
2: I think it's Pretty- I think it's a great idea and and a great message and everything else. But to, to just add just I feel awful doing this, but because I, I sound skeptical, can we just can we have a John Lennon event where we play a different song? Am I am I am I sounding grouchy? Am I missing the mark here? Can we just can we play a different John Lennon song when we remember John Lennon? Because this, I'm sorry, I uh, it's even apropos for the times we're in. But man, that song's know, getting well, tired. in remembering John? Lennon. Am I alone in thinking this? Like I'm I'm thinking out loud. Am I alone
1: if here? Me, if it was me and you in the room, you'd be alone. <laughs> I don't know what
3: the other guys <laughs> I, I, I get what you're saying. Yeah, uh, I, I, I think you know if you look at Lennon, there's just there is so much to pick oh, from. Oh God! And yeah, I mean I could say revolution. You know yep. that song with the, with the Beatles spoke huge, many to the same type of themes. Some of the themes, anyways, that are imagined. Right, right. It's I, a rock and I, roll I get. Song. It. I, I get. It. Hey, <laughs> hey, hey! All you need is love. How about it? yeah how about it a a lot of people didn't like that song because it just was like yeah I love it because it's beautifully simple and some people said yeah you know that's kind of like the stuff you find on the back back of a box of cereal you know yeah okay hey hey, the world all you need is love man it's such a hippie thing you know (laughs) sure (laughs) yeah okay you heard
1: it here first Ben hates the song of (laughs) magic
3: to answer to that thing I mean have you guys ever heard of an ensemble Called Choir, Choir, Choir No Okay So It's two dudes from Toronto And every What is it Every Wednesday night For a decade They've been uh, 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 People go to a bar Called Clinton's And they come in the basement Okay. Yeah, and I have I, heard I, of these guys. Yeah. Okay, I have done this and they have they have now gained respectability with some of the biggest uh, artists in the world, alive and dead. Their 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 families and all the rest. These are two guys that get up on stage and they invite you in. And when you come in, you're given a lyric sheet and they divide you. Do you sing basically do you sing high, medium or low? Because this is not really about being a musician's and reading music. <clears throat> And I will tell you, my experience was um, when Gordon Downey passed away. No, It wasn't when he passed away. Is when the diagnosis diagnosis came down. I was I uh, was um, like I am right now. I was kind of needing something to do, and uh, yeah. the guys were doing. Uh, the guys were the guys in choir. Choir were announced that hey, listen, we're going to do I um, Head by a Century. So I went, so I could be with this commune of people and uh it's uh it's really something you know most times it could be hey this week we're doing the beach boys this week we're doing Fleetwood mac this week we're doing rage against the machine but this night they were doing uh ahead by a century and they walk you through your parts to sing so it's like a sing-along it really is nothing but a sing-along but it's it's it i don't know for some reason it takes it to a different level that's amazing. I yeah, heard,
2: so- I, yeah, I heard about this choir, choir, choir on a uh, when they, because they announced they were closing Clinton's recently, right? Yeah. Well. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Uh, totally. Anyway. Yeah. That's the. They're kind of like the house band there. Anyway, I interrupted you. Sorry. They
3: have they have done this in Carnegie Hall. They've done. They've been yeah. all over the states and like they are. Ooh. It's truly they've done events with thousands of yeah. people. Yeah. Tens. They've done it with at least ten thousand people. This is how good these guys are. So now, of course, because of the COVID times, they're doing it online. And if you're interested in the whole thing, it's this coming Friday night, you're going to be able to sing along to 10 John Lennon songs more than just imagine wow. <laughs> just imagine like, ten, ten, 10 times in a row,
1: row.
3: Yeah, <laughs> doing the imagine jealous guy instant karma watching the wheels and so on and Aww. so forth and you can do it in the comfort of your own home if you're interested choir 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 do a search on all your social medias you have to go to their Facebook page like it there's a YouTube uh, connection as well too if you feel you want to be part of this and spiritual and, and sing along to some Lennon songs with everybody then do it. I love that. Yeah, it's yeah, great. Cool. And and one day when this all clears up I really suggest you do go to one of these things. Yeah. It's a lot of fun. You have a beer in your hand and you don't really know how to sing music and you get together and there's some keeners there that are a little annoying, but that's fine. <laughs> um,
1: that, would that, be, guess, that would be me.
3: <laughs> yeah, and me and I, no, no, There's some people that show up every week, but it's like, hey, this is what we do. We get together and we sing these amazing pop songs. Yeah. And when you're sitting, standing in the middle of a crowd, I'm not sure if any of you guys have been part of a choir or a chorus, No, but there really is something when you're standing in amongst a group of people and you hear were all those voices singing in harmony yeah huh. and yeah. when we did ahead by a century is something in fact when we did it in the club they said hey let's go do it up on the street nice it was amazing Very was right
0: on that's a cool story yeah. The only the only comparable I have is is uh, I I was at a an Arcade Fire saw so- show and and Arcade Fire is very chorusy and sing along and and everyone knows all their lyrics pretty yep. much when you're going to one of those shows so it felt that way and it was really it was super powerful for everyone to just like and it, and it brought every- it legitimately brought everyone together I mean. You know, everyone was like arm in arm. It was pretty. It was pretty wild. And one, I was just there with a bunch of strangers at that right. point. Which is it's one of those. It, it's eat, one so.
2: of those unifying concert experiences, like being spit on by Hugh Dillon of the Headstones. It's just right. you know, it, it, it brings brings the crowd together.
3: I love you, man. Stay <laughs> right. okay Right. Fire, by the way, to let you know, it's actually one of my bar- one of the top concerts I've ever been to. Yeah. it was religious going to that. Okay, yeah. let's move on to some noise here. Yeah, what do you got? New AC dc dropped out of nowhere there were lots of hints great social media campaign of hints of them coming back together and i made mention of this a couple of weeks ago but uh the new song arrived in the middle of the week called shot in the dark Mm -hmm. uh, it's from their forthcoming album called power up it's their 17th album and it's got the same crew so the guys that he uh he told, hey, you better go home because uh, your hearing's going to get lost or you're you're in trouble with the law. They're all back on this recording. Apparently, they did it last year in Vancouver. And you know what? It sounds like it's just ACDC. I mean, if you took... Any of their last couple of records, Black Ice or any of those, and you re-released it, it would sound like the new single, Shot in the Dark. All right. But you know what? Here's the thing about ACDC. If there's anything in the world, it's great. It's safe to know that ACDC have not changed. In a world where everything (laughs) is so so upside down, you can hear this new single by them and say, thank God for ACDC. They haven't screwed it up. <laughs> it I, may I'm not with be. You. It's not, it's not it as spec- it's not as spectacular as other songs. We can go down the line. That's not the point. The point is is that yeah, they're back in it's ACDC. Thank God I can depend upon this, whether you like them or not. Can I, poly- can I ask you guys a
1: question? Yeah. Is do you think that do you think that bands like ACDC? I mean, the Rolling Stones, for example, the ones that just. They just won't fucking go away. Do you think that they are holding down possible new rock from coming? No, out? No, 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 not at all. Because no. nobody's, nobody's excited about like at least. Uh, granted, mm-hmm. I listen to Lithium. That's what that's a fucking station I listen to all day. So mm-hmm. I listen to '90s rock because that's the pocket of music that I really like. That being said. Th- 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 there haven't really been that many great new rock bands. Like just straight up, that has rock nothing. No, I know and where you're going. I know I know, big, I know I know where, where you're it's going. Like the double dip of like just fucking no. retire. On a, yeah.
2: Unequivocally, no. That is hmm. a that is a hard no. There's hmm. it has nothing. The fact that there's no new bright rock band has nothing to do with the guys who have been around that long and keep doing it. It's just because rock is not at the to the fore right now. Or there hasn't there either hasn't been an appetite for it or there hasn't been a good chef in a while but it's got nothing to do nothing to do with the guys at the top
3: yeah maybe one day we will uh open up uh the topic of rock and roll is it dead is it dying all those type of things and we'll speak to a lot of those things mark because that's an interesting point you know is its legacy getting in the way you know i yeah, just real briefly here. I used to watch the Grammy Awards, and it was hey, they don't have rock bands on the Grammys, but ah, they did have, bring them in, and they bring out some of the old Coggers and it's freaking embarrassing. Like it was yeah. it was Aerosmith last year, and it's yeah. like I, I'm ashamed. Like this, they they're terrible. They were awful, and they were once great. I said yeah. I would much rather watch the newest, brightest, shiniest thing that's in rock and roll. Than to watch these old guys pretend that they're good again. I, I mean, I love Aerosmith, and yeah, I yeah, love, and I loved, you know, what they did with Run DMC. That was the moment in, but, on okay. the show, and it was embarrassing to watch it.
2: I know, but, but I, just let me interject there, <laughs> just to back up my point. I get it that yeah, okay, these old guys are getting the spots on award shows, but that's that's the people who organize awards shows. I, I still I would contest that it yep. has nothing to do with the fact. But that's the moment. You know, like there, just, there there, there, are tons, tons of great, brilliant new rock bands out there. There's just not an appetite for it.
1: That, right, that, that's, gonna, that's my wait, opinion. Wait, is there, there an appetite the of the for more ACDC? That's, yeah. I guess, the question I have. Is, was, that, was that needed in the world right now? Did we need another ACDC? Album? If you're an ACDC fan, yes.
3: Hey, okay, all I will say is that and I'm going to go back to a moment where where it was stock, right? When they were playing with the Stones and I know that was a long time ago, but the point I'm trying to make is that when I, you know, when I first encountered AC/DC, they were really a hard a hard rock band, if not a metal band, mm. right? The only people who went to see this show were a bunch of teenage boys, you know, they played hard and the lyrics were ridiculous, you know what I mean? Um, but when I saw them at stock everybody was on their feet i looked around me and everybody from grandparents to children were up having a great time and i realized that this band's music had now transcended every generation so it does matter you know they are not what they used to be and i think they're not getting in the way there are many (laughs) there are many options in the you know in the songbook to listen to and why not for three minutes, listen to the new ACDC song. Here, here's,
2: right? a, here's a metaphor. Here's a metaphor. In a world where all of a sudden we have Starbucks and McDonald's has gotten into the coffee market and you can get Frappuccinos and anything at Chinos and everything else, people are still lining up for the Tim Hortons double-double because it has been consistently good and predictable and delicious for a long time. And that's <laughs> AC/DC. That's a
3: good That's it. Yeah, Yeah. it's meat it's meat and potatoes rock and roll and what's wrong with that. <laughs> That's so I,
0: right. in in research in today's episode, I, I, I pulled I listened to the "Shot in the Dark" song, which I can vouch for, Paulie. It's 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 an ACDC song, and they also <laughs> they they also listed the the, the track list of what's mm-hmm. on this, this new album called "Power Up," and yep. I just and, and again, it sounds like an ACDC <laughs> record. The songs are "Witch's Spell," "Demon Fire," "Money Shot," and "No Man's Land." Sure. So, yeah. Well. I was just, just, uh, just to get a little sample of those titles. It's classic. It's, yeah, it's yeah. exactly what you, it's, a, it's like a warm hug, an there's ACDC no, song. Uh,
3: there's no going to be, I love you, baby, songs in this one. No, no. no. no um, cut. New ACDC album, by the way, comes out on November the 13th. Paulie, like really,
2: really, really quick. Do you remember ACDC and St. Catharines at the Hideaway when somebody, somebody mentioned, uh, Uh, Ever doing a a love song or something, and I forget which guy it was, but said, "No, we don't do that. We don't do ballads. We leave that to Metallica." (laughs) (laughs) Oh, it
3: was like you are the man. You're the man. (laughs) Uh, I don't remember that, but that's hilarious. Oh, it's good stuff. Mm -hmm. Okay, a couple of real quick ones here. The White Stripes have a greatest hits coming out album coming out. Cool. And part of me goes, like, does that really matter? greatest hits albums does it really matter when most of the world is streaming and you can go you know on spotify yeah. this is the white stripes and Pretty you get odd. a curated playlist right yeah but it's important i think the idea is, is that if i'm entering in to see, hear the white stripes for the first time i really don't know the catalog i kind of heard about this guy jack white and Meg white what's it all about it's a great starting point. The other part of this whole thing is that it'll be, by the way, it's coming out in December. it'll have 26 songs on it and uh, for collectors another opportunity to get a special colored vinyl edition of the whole thing. Mm-hmm. You can bet it's gonna be it's gonna be white with red stripes on it is red and white was definitely sure. their palette. You know what I mean? Um,
2: hey, here's... But, a, wait, wait, wait. Sorry. I, 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 we, we keep veering off with different questions here. and i well, hope we're sorry. Not, I hope we're not pressed no. for time. But this raises an interesting question. If you want to get... If you're interested in diving into a band, like Chris was earlier with Van Halen, or you just mentioned with the White Stripes, who would you rather take your recommendations from for a playlist? From the artist or from the fan? hmm mm-hmm. Think, well, of, think about that. If you want to get into the Beatles for the first time, do you ask the remaining Beatles what? Give me give me fifteen songs.
0: Do you ask them or do you ask the fans? I I would take honestly. I would take Paulie's recommendation over over a lot of the ones. It's uh. like because and, and I know that sounds a little self serving for sure. But like, what is the like? What is Paul McCartney going to say? Like, he's gonna he, like. I'm sure his songs like his taste has changed over the years and he's sick of certain songs and they you know artists are very wishy-washy about some of that stuff but like if you're trying to get like a full retrospective of a band I feel like you to get that perspective from a fan is a little bit more like on par with what you're looking for
2: maybe maybe I'm asking the question with the eyes that greatest hits records are typically just a compilation of the songs that made it to the radio sure if the White are putting out a greatest hits album that members of uh, that the White Stripes are picking. Then I want that. If it's just here's the ones that have been big hits, then yeah, what's the point? Well, mm.
3: okay. Well, you know, first thing mm-hmm. the White Stripes did not have a lot of radio hits. True. They may have had a, a half a dozen, and there are twenty six on this record. So mm-hmm. I think they're I think they're going to give you a good cross section yeah, of what it, is cool. really good about the band. Twenty six cool. is pretty good, as opposed to I'm um, looking at. You know seven releases by the white stripes where do i start like you know and you have to kind of sift through everything and it's just like you know sometimes the greatest hits is a good starting point point. and if you really like what you hear then you can go oh i really really love this type of thing or i love this song what record was it on and then you jump into that particular era same thing with david bowie for instance like where did he start you know mm. it's just like There's so many different styles that he worked with. And, you know, if you jump into any one, you would definitely be – you would definitely be missing out on something else. I mean, very easy to jump into the Ziggy Stardust era and all those great songs, but boy, you'd be missing out if you didn't get into this whole period where he's in Germany, he was doing Heroes, you know, or I can go down the pipe here, but I think in the case of the White Stripes, this is a good thing, this is a good idea, and I think the fact that, hey, listen, all those curated playlists are still going to be there on all our streaming services, so... You
1: know what no, would be cool no. you know what would be cool if they could do is like they have with i don't i don't know if you guys have ever done this but have you ever listened to like director's commentary on a on a movie like on yes. for sure Uh, I used to do it on the Simpsons, like the Simpsons DVDs, because they would have like Conan O'Brien talking about like voicing or writing this episode, or they would have, so you get to learn little things. It'd be cool if they had that for songs, like they have kind of Jack White, say like, hey, here's what I was thinking when I wrote this song, and here's where I wrote it, and blah, 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 and here you go, here's the song, and almost Mm -hmm. like, give a reason to buy an album again.
3: There are there are some records that do ha- there are some streams that I've seen that actually do have oh, that. Yeah, that's and I cool. think it I agree with you. I think it's great because I learn yeah. learn a little bit a little bit more about it. I wish there was a switch that you could turn it off if I just I just into yeah. <laughs> yeah. it. Bring no. back bring back pop-up video. That's yeah. A, yeah. It's in the show pop-up video yeah. um, Stairway to Heaven This thing has been a legal wrangle The people uh, uh, representing a guy named Randy California in the band Spirit Claimed mm. that in the days when Zeppelin And Spirit were touring Jimmy Page heard them play uh, a song, I believe it was called Taurus, yeah, Taurus yeah. and said, and then they heard Stairway to Heaven and said, hey man, that's my riff so it went to the courts it's been dragging in courts for about 10 years they wanted to take it to the Supreme Court of the United States and they turned them down oh. and so the case is closed. Led Zeppelin <laughs> wins. <laughs> and yeah, well and the funny thing is that apparently, I read this in the bottom of an article somewhere, it said uh, that even the Trump administration had weighed in this whole thing with the Just Department filing a brief in support of Led Zeppelin in their case so are Trump you left, kidding Oh, uh, this
2: pisses me off Is okay so I know I've heard it Paul you've heard it I'm sure yeah, Mark, Chris, have you oh, yeah. heard this song yeah, in yeah, question? Yeah, yeah. No. Okay. Yeah, so yeah, yeah. listen. In, in in a world where the, the uh like the Verve got successfully sued for Bittersweet Symphony for ripping off the Stones, in a world yeah. in a world where John Fogarty got sued for ripping himself off, I know. Do you remember that? Oh yeah. Okay. Well, Led Zeppelin wins. Are that, you
0: the, kidding me?
3: There, there, there are different cases here. And I'm not going to get into the whole copyright <sighs> thing right now because it is really complicated. It's such mm. a ripoff. Because you you gotta when you listen to the songs, boy, they sound similar. Oh but my you, god! But when you break it down musically, there are a lot of there's other information that has to be considered here. And in this particular case they they were in favor of Zeppelin to my ears boy they sure do sound the same if I'm the
2: if I'm the band that is responsible for ultimately creating the biggest rock anthem of all time and the meat and potatoes everything that people know stairway to heaven for, Uh, uh, Well, I I would say the first thing that comes to mind is the opening. Uh, Mm -hmm. It it is a direct ripoff. And if I'm the band who had that taken from me and it was turned into a multi-billion dollar industry, ultimately, then I would be really, really upset with the fact that I wasn't getting a piece of the pie. I'd be really pissed.
3: Mm hmm. I mean, Zeppelin in the early days were doing a lot of interpretations of the blues, like so many guys of the UK. Like it's, It can't be understated how important American blues music was in the early story sure. of rock and roll. Uh, so many of these kids grew up and got records from the States and emulated it in their music. The Rolling Stones are classics of that. Yeah. And so were led Zeppelin almost to an embarrassing point. This is not the first time that they've had a run in famously the song whole lot of love speak about a big song right um those people who were blues aficionados said hey you know what that sounds an awful lot like willie dixon buddy water's song called you need love and i can even go as far as to say is is that the way that they played it was similar to another band you know all the things that jimmy page was doing in that song were echoed in another version of the song by somebody else And yet it took years before finally the estate of uh, Willie Dixon won that case. And the fact that he gets a piece of the royalties, because those are my words. You just changed a couple, you know, and you didn't give me credit. You take a look at its page Plant, Bonham and and Jones, you know, so these things can happen decades after the fact, but it came Mm. to Stairway to Heaven. That's where the line got cut off here. So there is a bit of a history to of the whole thing, and it's not about the lyrical. It's about the music, to it, particularly in the introduction of the song. So,
0: okay. fascinating.
3: It is. Fascinating. It is. We can get into this uh, another time. Another case is going to come up, but there's lots of examples, current ones. Famously, blurred lines versus uh yeah. "Blurred Lines" versus the Marvin Gaye estate. The Marvin Gaye estate won that one. Mm-hmm. Uh, did, I, case- did Neil Young go? Did Neil
1: Young go after Chili Peppers for Danny California and uh, uh, Last Dance with Mary Jane? Because the beginning of that is the no, exact tom same. No, tom, tom Petty. Tom Petty. Oh, sorry, Tom Petty. My apologies. No, I think
2: Tom Petty gave it his blessing. Did he not?
3: I I don't remember. Well, with Tom Petty. What ha- there is there is uh, the other dude, Sam Smith, right? right you know. not, the, not the country singer but the the guy from the UK had a big top 40 hit come out and his band manager says you know that sounds an awful lot like a Tom Petty song and they immediately settled made a, had a settlement where he was getting a piece of the royalties from that song they uh, Sam Smith's people got in front of everything and <laughs> the in the case of the rolling stones um mick jagger was playing uh playing a playing uh a, his latest song with the stones for his daughter uh because anybody's seen my baby and he says what do you think and she says daddy that sounds an awful lot like constant craving by uh um come on canadian katie um, lang katie lang katie lang and so mick kind of went Oh, and then he listened to and he called his lawyer immediately and they settled immediately mm. and the song hadn't even come out. You know what I mean? It's like, mm. I, you know, and for those guys, it's like, yeah, I know that, you know, I know that I when we wrote this, you know, we wrote it genuinely. It just came up, but we have to admit it sounds just like this song. So let's take care of this business now before we get into a really ugly, distracting lawsuit, which nobody needs. How how, so,
2: how devastated is Mark going to be when Count Basie's estate sues for power of love?
1: <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
3: <laughs> okay, I got, I, got, I got three more stories here because I know we're cool. running out of time Let's here. let um, Real quickly here. Uh, Lars Ulrich, the drummer from Metallica, was interviewed by a magazine called Classic Rock uh, in a series called The Soundtrack... Of my life. And he was asked. What's the magazine about? (laughs) Sorry. (laughs) (laughs) And he was asked who his favorite songwriter of all time was. His favorite songwriter of Mm. all time. Now, don't forget that Metallica, uh, pardon me, that Lars Ulrich is the drummer for Metallica. But having been around the block a few times, he gets it. And he said his favorite songwriter of all time is Noel Gallagher of Oasis. What? <laughs> and here's the quote. He says, the hardest thing in the world, trust me, we know this firsthand, is to write a simple song. And the shorter and simpler, the harder it is. Those great Oasis songs, Wonderwall, Live Forever, Supersonic. If you hear Noel do them by himself, just the guitar and voice, it's pretty incredible what those songs break down to when you're that naked and that vulnerable. Wow. I saw Oasis.
1: Yeah, I saw Oasis live and that was the highlight of the show was Mm -hmm. all the other guys left the stage. He walked out there with literally like a steel folding chair. Unfolded mm-hmm. on, the, on the stage, sat down and played "Wonderwall" acoustic, and that, that was one. the absolute highlight. Of, I mean, everybody knows that song. It's it's just one of those. Songs. Yeah, it's like "Imagine" Ben. Everybody likes it. I was
2: you said it before. <laughs> you said it as
0: I thought it. <laughs>
1: everybody <laughs> likes it, Ben. Yeah.
0: I, when 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 Paul mentioned that Lar, Lars Ulrich was going to pick his favorite songwriters, I'm like, who could that be? And I realized there's no way I could ever possibly. No. telegraph that answer no. Lars Ulrich is such an odd dude mm, and like you very? have no idea where he's coming from like I, I there's no way I could have I was like originally I'm thinking like Phil Collins or something <laughs> you know what I mean and then he goes off the board and goes with Noel Gallagher not off the board not not, not that he doesn't deserve no the but it's unpredictable but that he would it's say fucking Lars, Lars Ulrich like mm. what yeah uh, what are, he's gone soft should have went
1: with Huey Lewis Wow, <laughs> <laughs> oh,
3: <that's> so funny. <laughs> Um, real quickly, Rob Halford, the uh, lead singer of Judas Priest, has a new memoir out called "Confess." I believe there's an audio book that's currently available. The book is coming out. And important, if you didn't know, is that it it talks about Rob, Rob Halford coming out. Uh, you know, here was this guy that was you know wearing a lot of a lot of leather and studs, and uh driving a Harley on stage, and most of his fans didn't realize that he was gay,
2: which I find the greatest comedy in the history of rock and roll. Role. I really, right. truly do.
3: Um, I did hear, did listen to, I did watch a video. He he kind of came out to the world uh, in an MTV uh, interview back, way back when uh, he had actually left Judas Priest and had formed a band called Fight, did two albums. Then he created another band called Two, and it was part of the promo run for that record. And um, it was a pretty brave thing to do. This is when coming out was still... Um, Kind of a dangerous thing to do particularly when so many people look at you as being this you know this heavy metal icon and you know metal back in the day i was not a good place for that community to live and so it really was something today it's still uh it's still hard for people to come out and express their sexual orientation it's easier but it's still not easy in the case of Rob Halford, he did this back in the 19, I think it was the late 80s wow. or early 90s. And so this memoir talks about a lot of those things and talks about Priest and, and the, his career and his arc and stuff like But his personal journey is a really interesting one. I interviewed
2: so, him a few years back and he, he was great. Like he he's was a sweet guy. He's a really, really nice man. Like just, yeah, I, I can't say enough about him after that interview. He was great.
3: Okay, so. And my but, uh, Oh, sorry. Go
0: ahead. Sorry, I. So I, have I, I again. It's kind of like going back to the Van Halen thing. I wasn't there to experience it firsthand, and the, the only the only uh, info I have are these retrospectives that are often colored with you know today's perceptions. How was he, ref- like, how was him coming out received among his fans, like as you guys? I don't know if if you guys were following it as it happened. Um, but was it, you know, I, I've heard that, that his fans generally welcomed him with open arms, but was it like that? Or was it a lot more, you know, a lot less rosy than, than people, people tend to paint it up to be? Hmm.
3: I don't know. That's a really good, that's a really good question. I remember when I was starting radio, I worked, um, uh, I, a record rep came in and he was taking Halford out on a press run and he came and he said, "Rob Helford hit on me," and he was totally shocked because he didn't think he wasn't saying that was a bad thing. He was just like, "I didn't know, I didn't <laughs> know," you know. He thought, you know, he had this he had this cliche book into his head that hey, we're, we're going to go out, and we're going to we're going to pound back Jack Daniels, and we're going to we're going to. You know, we're going to go to a peeler bar and all that kind of stuff between, between you know, promo runs. And he said, no, this guy wanted to drink tea. And he started to hit on me. And he was just like, whoa. <laughs> you know, um, but I don't know how the rest of the I really – you know, it's kind of funny because I was there after all the great Frigida's Priest moments. I saw them live. They were mm-hmm. amazing. And it's mm-hmm. like, I don't remember any controversy. And I think people said, well, okay. Nor cool. do I, and I, I honestly, uh, that's, that's I,
2: looking great. at it somewhat humorously, I, I, I think there were a lot of people who were like, uh, oh yeah, I, I, I knew. <laughs> <laughs> you, you know, like, because it's like for that, you know, that, that, that uh, yeah, I think a lot of people just for, I don't know, I think, that, yeah, there were a lot of sort of, hmm... Um, I think I don't I don't know. I think maybe it's a it's a stereotype to think that Judas Priest fans would be unwelcoming of Rob Halford. But it's an understandable stereotype. Do you know what I mean? Because of of the way the music lends to that sort of uh, virile male metal hard rock sort of thing that a lot of fans would be upset. But I, too, don't remember any backlash or anything of the sort maybe only because i don't uh, associate with people who would find that you know deplorable or however you want to put it
0: yeah exactly. I've, I've just heard like i said i, I just heard it, like his the reception was relatively quiet quiet and yeah. like that's good right like you it know it expect, it's it's cool yeah. especially for the time period i was just curious if that was actually the case all right cool hmm.
3: you know, it's interesting when you say that is that do you care about Any of the politics of your favorite artists has it ever stopped you from liking them? Yeah, you know, and and it never has. I can disagree with what they have said. There are some people who are deplorable, and this will be in the Michael Jackson Michael Jackson case. Do you stop listening to him because of what he? What he did, or apparently did, it's it's a real tough call sometimes. It is. Sometimes it, it sometimes it depends on the, I suppose how bad it was, the gravity of the whole thing. That bad is bad with a lot of people, but being gay is not bad. Thank so, you. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Yep. Exactly. Mm. All right. This might be my my I don't want to say most fun story, but this one I just kind of. So I'm a big fan of Saturday Night Live. I watch it every week. I PVR it if I don't it's both good and bad. Last week's show, you kind of wondered what the hell you had a whole summer off and this is what you (laughs) cooked up. Like the first, the first full sketch was a double entendre sketch and it's like, oh my God, like this is, you get the smartest comedy writers apparently in America and this is what you came up with, a double entendre sketch. Listen, there were a lot of great parts to the whole thing. But one of the favorite things who's the musical guest last week was uh, Megan Thee Stallion and she was fantastic. It was fantastic. It was great, you know, I don't know her stuff I certainly know (laughs) WAP and a couple of things I've come across but I never spent any time with it so I said I wonder who the musical guest is for this coming week and up came this story this is I think the first time this has ever happened The musical guest for this coming Saturday was supposed to be a guy named Morgan Wallen. Does anybody know who Morgan Wallen is? I've heard of
0: him. Yeah, I've I've heard of him.
3: All right. He's a country artist, and he has had hits like Whiskey Glasses, and his latest thing is called Seven Summers. He's been uninvited as the musical guest to Saturday Night Live. Why? Now, Now, what could you possibly do... To blow the gig,
2: one name, one word comes to mind, and it starts with a <laughs> T and it ends with a rump.
3: Yeah. No. <laughs> no. no. It's not that. No. Okay. It's not about it no, it's not like that. Somewhat. Related, apparently on the weekend, on his social media, he was posting pictures of him partying in Tuscaloosa, not exercising, uh, no math. uh, uh COVID-related uh, protocols that are necessary if you're going to be part of the cast of Saturday Night Live. Man. They have a very clear thing: is that you cannot, you cannot be partying before you come and join our cast. He was aware of it. He was flagrant with Idiot. it. And he was uninvited to the show. It's your big moment to perform in front of millions (laughs) of people on national television and he let his mind okay. slip. Now, in a per, in a perfect world, in a perfect
2: world, he's being replaced with Slipknot for their mask endorsement. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
3: and the great and the interesting thing about this whole thing is, he gets it. He's apologized to his fans. Oh, he's on there explaining what he did, but it doesn't doesn't it doesn't take away the foolishness. Love it, you know. If I'm going into Saturday Night Live and I'm in quarantine times, and your in lo- your lawyer and your manager give you this document saying, "Dude, you can't play for a little while. You got to self isolate, or you cannot be seen with a bunch of people. Or if you do it, don't tell anybody." How do you do that when you're a big artist, right? How do you, you know, people are going to take pictures of you? Inevitably, this is what happened, and he got busted, and he uh, is off Saturday Night Live. Getting- hey, maybe- Hey, maybe a month from now, he's back on, you know, but I think the moment is lost. I have no idea who's replacing him. It doesn't really matter. The guy's name, once again, is Morgan Wallen. doesn't matter artist. what his name is, i
1: going to hear about him again.
2: He's the Tennessee Titans <laughs> yeah, of the music world. It's right. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Wow. It's, how, how far, being a rock star... And rock star shenanigans have fallen that, you know, (laughs) not wearing a mask and partying (sighs) with your friends is (laughs) the ultimate anti- consumer behavior whereas
2: ba- like, back you know, in the 70s it's like hey you know we, we, we heard stories of you spanking women
0: with frozen mackerel over the weekend
1: yeah.
2: but get up on stage go on <laughs> oh, do you want to
0: do this presidential rally <laughs> yeah it's like and then, nowadays it's like this guy fucking went to the grocery store and, and uh, yeah. you know didn't put his cart back in the hey, corral we, j- we just saw you eat three sheets of acid backstage but
2: you get out there and put on a show <laughs>
3: <laughs> you know, most of the Saturday Night Live's musical performance is about song selection. And it's like, there's a thing that you have to play your hits, at least the first one. And it's in more recent years, it's been a little looser, but that was often a battle with a lot of artists. We don't want to play that song. We're so sick and tired of playing that one. We want to play this other track, this deeper cut. Elvis Costello. Yeah, no, that goes back to the uh, 80s, I know, 70s, but still, you know, that's, that's, that's the first the name cut.
2: that came to mind when you said that.
3: But it's kind of like that, you yeah. know, and and uh, of course, controversies over lip syncing and and all that stuff. It seems really small compared to this, you know. Yeah. But, you know, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so that's all I got for music news this week. I- this a ton.
2: Thank you, Polly. Awesome. All right, next week's stat of the week: number of people who have appeared on Saturday Night Live with the cooties and got away with it.
0: <laughs> <laughs> uh, that was good stuff. Thanks, Paul. Yeah, yeah. Thanks a lot. Um, yeah, we'll uh, we'll do the same thing next week for sure. I think. Like, I, I hopefully we can do a little bit more of a you know, themed episode again. That would be fun. I'd love to, I'd love to get because, because I mean, a a couple weeks back we did, we did that one about the, the Rolling Stone um, updating their top albums. And I, I I would be curious to kind of unpack that a little bit because I've definitely gone through and listened to some of the new, some of the records and, and uh, it definitely seems a little bit more. um, I don't know if you, if you, I not like to get too idea. far into it, not to, not to get too far into it. But if you look at where music is headed now, popular music in general, to not pay respect to some of the more, um, you know, like hip hop, R and B, like the the like black music is kind of ridiculous like to say that like you know some of the best albums in the world and and the most influential records in the world are are only the the ones that come from white artists is doesn't speak to where culture is headed this point so it's very curious yeah
3: i'm not sure if i pointed out here or if i did this online but i took the i looked at the top 50 records as i noticed a big change immediately for sure Uh, and and i counted in the top 50 24 of them are from black artists so it has really awesome. changed. I, I'm not yeah. going to. Just, I, I haven't. You know, one day I'll, I'll meticulously pull, try to find an old list to see if that's changed in any kind of way. But what really stuck out for me when I first saw it is that Marvin Gaye was the number one. Yeah, song. Yeah. The number one album, and that was like what, you know? And I feel embarrassed because I don't know the album, you mm. know. And I've gone back to listen to it and i get it it's when, like you know it pet sounds was number 2 it's been number 2 before it's a record another record i've listened to and i still don't get it's so good and i'm embarrassed to say it you know um but you know i'm missing something uh maybe uh, maybe another listen is necessary you know i you know you don't have to get it that's what th- i think that's important because Obviously, a lot of people do get understand what, why these records are so important to it's them. It's how this no. whole
2: episode started with Chris Brown and Eddie Van
1: Halen. Well, there we go. We just brought right. it all yeah, exactly. home. Exactly.
3: We just brought it right back to the very exactly. beginning.
1: Ben oh, and Imagine. That's right. <laughs> just don't get it.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Have a good week, gentlemen. Yeah, you too. See you guys. All right. Cheers. Mm-hmm.